everyone, and welcome to Minute 150 of The Great Escape Minute. I can't believe I've actually reached two and a half hours of The Great Escape <laughs> Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the great one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me to close out the week once again is Will Slater of Exploding Helicopter. Welcome back to the show, Will. Hi, Rob. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm uh, Red. Let's, uh, let's knock this week out of the park. Yeah, seriously. 150 episodes. Wow. That, this is, That's good I've, going. I've surpassed most of the minute-by-minute podcasts with the number of episodes. You've done, you've done, you've done more uh, episodes uh, on one film than I have in the, you know, the, the last six years of podcasting. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, you've got the, a phenomenal, phenomenal stamina, a phenomenal work rate. <laughs> well, well, we'll see how people you know, react to the, to the whole show. <laughs> Let's see how many of them actually made it to the 50th episode. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a separate issue. Okay, so he begins with a plane slingshotting around a castle and goes all the way till we see Colin stumbling along blindly. As we ended yesterday's minute, we had Colin and Henley still trying to, to get to Switzerland, which we found out was around 263 kilometers away, based on Will's excellent research of the Disney castle. What'd you say it was called again? The name of the castle? <laughs> the uh, Neutschwanstein Castle. There you go. Neutschwanstein Castle. Castle. Exactly. That, that, sounded, uh, that sounded correct to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, uh, I'll just I'll just be clearing my throat. You know, it's like space balls when, you know, they give uh, your, uh, yogurt the medallion. And he <laughs> just goes... <laughs> oh, you can read it? No, I'm just clearing my throat. <laughs> so... Basically, the plane starts by slingshotting around this this castle. Now, my first question is: is why are they slingshotting the castle? Yes, they're not in outer space, so uh, yeah, that doesn't uh, that doesn't make and, sense. And they're not trying to go back in time, <laughs> you know, like they tried in Star Trek, or they did in Star Trek, where you mm-hmm. have to slingshot around the sun. Uh, but here, they're slingshotting around a castle, a Disney castle, that is. Maybe there's magic there. Maybe, yeah, ah, maybe, there maybe uh, gravitational fields operate slightly differently there. Who knows? Yeah. No, because I mean he's in a plane, so they can go higher. <laughs> maybe, maybe he just said, maybe he just said to Colin, Colin, look, there's a castle. Oops, I forgot you're blind. I don't know. Could be. We get to see the plane leisurely continuing its flight, moving up and down, and then we get a shot in the cockpit where Henley begins to notice that there's some sort of problem because things start jittering around and moving around, and then we get an outside shot of the plane beginning to take a little bit of a dive, and then uh, we get another shot inside where once again trying frantically to figure out what's going on, what's the problem here. And I think this is another uh, example of, uh, you know, if we're going to do a point-counterpoint of proof <laughs> that he doesn't know how to fly a plane. Oh, I'd almost become convinced that uh, Garner did know how to fly a plane, and then he throws this, uh, you know, monkey in the wrench, uh, you know, right at the last minute. Yeah, you never know here. <laughs> Don't know. And we never will know. <laughs> the magic of movies. What can I tell you? <laughs> the, the the plane starts going down a little bit. We we get to see shots of the plane much lower, close to a lake, which again beautifully shot. Mm. The the music here changes into a very suspenseful like music. Such a great again, composer. They do a great job of switching the the music, and then Wyatt seems to notice that something's wrong. You know, it took him a few seconds to figure out that you know that these jittering movements in the plane are not supposed to happen. And then he says to Henley, what is it, the petrol? <laughs> and his response is very interesting because he says, I don't know. And then he says, we're losing power. And then after that, he says, 
something about a fuel pump or mm. a carburetor or something. I mean, it's very unclear exactly what he's saying. And even in the subtitles, it's it's cut out. They, they don't mention what he says here. He's just sort of gabbling, listing things, and yeah, it's not. Um, it's it's just sort of blurting stuff out. It's not. It's not clear uh, what he what he's saying here. But uh, yeah, I mean, one thing I picked up on here in in this minute was was I felt that um, Donald Pleasance takes a little too too long to pick up that something's wrong. Um, I I kind of think that even if you're blind, just through just through sound and just through like almost the atmosphere in the cockpit you know you can tell when someone's people don't need necessarily always to say something you can just sort of you have that sort of sixth sense that uh, that's the, the atmosphere has changed here and i i, I, don't know, I just feel donald pleasance looks donald pleasance looks we know something's wrong but donald pleasance looks slightly gormless yes. um at the events that are going on for just a for a, for me for a fraction too long and um Only again a fraction too know, long. for I, 20 seconds too long <laughs> <laughs> Again, we're at the 20, we're, we're, you know, he, he mentioned something at the 24 second mark. So, you know, and, and he doesn't hear um, hand, jerking things around frantically mm, trying to figure out what's exactly. going on. But the, you would expect a little more from this. Uh, what can I tell you? Yeah. Now, I, I want to take a little bit of a diversion here and uh, go back to the original script, which deals with the this escape by plane, which is much shorter in the original script. And... Oh, and really? it, it flows completely through. They they don't give us even, you know, we don't get hilts in the middle of it. So basically they take off and he adjusts. That's, that's the first thing he does. And then says, next stop, Switzerland. And immediately after that, it says the motor coughs. Henley frowns, adjusts the throttle. It coughs again. The valley has begun to narrow. Henley barely maintains it as the engine continues to lose power. Meaning that as soon as they take off, this happens. This isn't. Uh, you know, they, they don't have to wait to get to the Sleeping Beauty castle for this to happen. Henley says, well, I'm not getting fuel. Frantically checks the controls, and he goes, got to get a booster pump somewhere. And then Kinjin cough, and it sputters. And then Henley says <laughs> to Blythe, do you know the German word for pump or booster or fuel? Blythe's response <laughs> is no. And then it says, Henley locates a lever, puts Blythe's hand on it. And then he says, God knows what this is, but pump it like hell. <laughs> and then the engine dies, and then he goes, never mind, just hang on. Again, I'm very glad they cut that out. It just, yes. it's, but it's hilarious. It's uh, yeah, it doesn't sound. No, I think the way they staged it is is much superior in the film because you do, you know, it teases us, the audience, with the idea, okay, you know, they could actually get away. They're they're nearly they're nearly home. They're nearly you know have a, they nearly have escaped. And uh, you, you, there isn't um, there isn't nearly the suspense in the the, the version that you described as uh, as the one that we get uh, actually on screen in the film. Yeah, but the but the version there uh, is is again further proof that Henley doesn't know how to fly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean it's it's it's. Maybe, maybe we should do like a poll. Do people think that Henley is really an RAF pilot or not? Yeah, has he just in somebody's uniform in the uh, in the hope of uh, you know getting some better food and uh, you know some better accommodation? And maybe he's not really even a scrounger. He just pretends. Yeah, he's a just. Uh, you know, he's paying. He's paying someone else cigarettes to get all the stuff for him. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. Uh, I think at this stage of uh, proceedings. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we're back to to where we were talking. Then we get to see the plane beginning once again to continue descending 
and then we get a shot inside the cockpit, and then we get Henley doing the Frank Costanza move. <laughs> Do you know what the Frank Costanza move is? No, you're going to have to uh, enlighten me. So there, there's an episode of Seinfeld called The Understudy, which deals with a part where the whole idea of stopping short. So Frank Costanza mentions to Kramer that he's, you know, how dare he stop short with my wife? Basically, the, the idea is is that, that, you know, when you stop short, right. you throw your right hand across the passenger, and instead of just trying to help them, you know, from flying forward, you also, for lack of a better phrase, cop a few. <laughs> <laughs> and the way that, 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 that Henley Gardner does, it looks exactly like that's what he's doing here. And it's just hilarious to think about it. Again, this reference is from 30 years later, 30 plus years later. Mm trying to remember when in, in what episode when that episode aired we're, we're talking at least 30 well, years well Hen- Hendley Hendley's character is a so Hendley yeah, originated he's a bit of a smooth talker he's a bit of a smooth operator so it's, it's probably not within the realms of possibility that he he's done this move you know on a few on a few ladies when he's been uh, you know in a car so Maybe, uh, yeah, as you say, maybe he's the uh, originator of this uh, this particular move. Could be. I mean, Frank does mention that, that, that he did it in uh, 1955. <laughs> this movie takes place uh, 11 years earlier. You know, you, you never really know. My mind's melting with the chronometer uh, here. <laughs> well, that's because, you know, you have to, you have to, you know, you have to deal with time travel with these type of things. The, the backwards and forward aspect of it all. You know, what came first? You never know. He tries to shield Blythe. So the, the, the episode aired on the 18th of May, 1995. So we're talking 32 years later. There we go. Now, now we know that... Okay, so, so Frank says he started in 1955, which is 40 years earlier than 1995. But Henley and, and Blythe are flying in 1944, 11 years earlier. But the film only came out in 1963, which is 19 years later. So, you know, try to, try to grasp all that, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think it'd be uh, easier trying to uh, understand Tenet than uh, trying to work that one out. Possibly, possibly. But then we get a shot of the plane landing on the ground. He, he actually does a really good landing job here, considering the plane is having yeah. a lot of trouble. He's, you know, it, the plane doesn't crash land. It, it actually lands on its three wheels. And I guess the problem here is, just, once again, goes back to the fact that Henley is not a pilot. <laughs> he doesn't know where the brakes are. <laughs> He he knows how to land it, but doesn't know how to how to how to stop it. Yeah. So for a few for a few brief seconds, we're back on Henley being a good pilot, and then later it's like, oh no, change change of mind. He doesn't know what he doesn't know what he's doing. So I mean, it's a real, it's a seesaw. It's a, it's, a, it's a roller coaster with uh, the whole you know, Henley as a pilot uh, debate. Yeah. But sure. uh, this particular moment, there is a. I thought there was a superb edit here by uh, by Sturgis and by you know the uh, the editor that he was working on this film because I thought that the transition from the plane being in flight to the ending is is really cleverly done and it's only if you watch it closely as as obviously we are because we're watching this film you know minute by minute second by second you can see that clearly the plane it never actually lands when when it's running along the ground it's already on the ground but such is the the cut between the two shots you do your mind just sort of fills in the blank and you just you almost sort of oh yeah i saw it touch down and hit the ground but it never never actually does it's just a yeah it's a it's a it's a great um bit of editing there to uh yeah join those two bits of plane being in flight to plane just round uh to join those together and just create that uh illusion 
Yeah, completely. I mean, the, the, it, this movie was edited by Ferris Webster, who actually received only Oscar nomination for this movie, for editing. Ah. He lost. <laughs> and this was the third time that he lost. He was also ed, uh, nominated the year before for, for editing The Manchurian Candidate, and in 1955 for editing uh, Blackboard Jungle. So, I mean, ah. that's pretty impressive. Yeah, some great, some great pedigree there, for sure. But as great of an editor he was, he still didn't manage to win. <laughs> what can I tell you? That, this movie is edited beautifully. There's no question about it. Obviously, it's a point to me that it only got editing. It only got an editing nomination, regardless of that, or irregardless of that. You know, it deserved more, but mm. this one was for sure deserving. There's no question about it. Yeah, what's, did you know what others, you know, up for nominations in when, uh, when this film would have been, you know, possibly in the running well was in the running for for some of the awards do you i don't know the answer to that wait in what category in what category do you want to know uh, well let's let's do the sort of like the obvious what, what was what was best picture um you know in for for, for that year so i guess it would be 63 been, it was 1963 yeah. best picture the the winner is is actually one of my favorite uh, oscar winning movies tom jones I'm, mm. I'm just not a fan of that movie at all I've not can't say I've seen it. Okay. The other things that were nominated were America America, which was Ilya Kazan movie, Cleopatra. You know, yeah. with uh, Yeah, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Taylor, Taylor and uh, Richard Burns. Uh, How yeah. the West Was Born, which was a, another Oof. great ensemble film from that year. Not as good as this one, but still, no. still nicely done. And The Field. Which is the uh, movie that Sydney Sydney Portier won. Sydney Portier, uh, yeah. Right. So the, So um, and what and uh, you know we've been talking about uh, the the score all week. Um, do you know what uh, what what in the kind of best original score or whatever they call it? Uh, what category? Uh, what was that, what was up for award? Again, you think I don't know the answer to that? <laughs> I know you do. I'm, first of all, I'm a big Oscar fan. That that that's first of all, and second of all, when when dealing with the, you know the the Great Escape, I'm, it, it's always a sore point. For mm. me. So they they had two scoring categories. That the first one was substantially original which, which basically means mostly original <laughs> the, the five films <laughs> not plagiarized exactly. no but just wait you're the, the name of the second one so the, 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 the five nominees that year were Tom Jones 55 Days of Peking Cleopatra How the West Was Won and It's a Mad 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 World and I know that they all do have nice scores but none of them are better than what we have no. in my opinion I mean, if you ask somebody to, 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 you know, if you gave them those five films and The Great Escape and you said, can you whistle the, the theme tune to, to one of them? So I, th- I think there's, people would only, um, you know, give you a rendition of the, the music from one film. And it's the one we're talking about. You, you, so. don't, even, you don't even need to ask them if they can whistle it. If you ask them if it's the, which one of them can they identify? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And the second category of scoring is best music scoring of music adaptation or treatment. There's nothing original this year. Maybe that's why it didn't get nominated because there there was no category for original score. There was substantially original (laughs) (laughs) and and adaptation or treatment. Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, that's just Uh, just absurd. I mean, the the Oscars are often Um, not a barometer of the best film. They're often a, 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 a sort of barometer of you know how much how much industry lobbying on behind the scenes and i you know something like cleopatra i mean that's a pretty 
it's not a, it's not a good film but the number of oscar nominations that got uh, you know are more to do with more to do with the industry trying to salvage the prestige of that noted you know studio bankrupting uh movie than uh than probably the actual merits of the the, the film yes. and uh it's yeah seems seems that i mean but you know just on a purely purely meritocratic basis i mean uh, you know, I'm not. I'm not going to knock that. I'm not going to say that uh, all of those films that you've listed in those various categories don't uh, don't deserve to be there. But uh, the Great Escape, I find it. You know, if you've got things like How the West Was Won, you know, being floated around as one of the sort of you know as an Oscar-worthy film, How the Great Escape is is not in some of those more um, you know sort of prestigious categories uh, is is really baffling. Exactly. I, I I'm I'm the same thing myself. Now, in contrast, for the Golden Globes that year. Okay, it nominated. It got one nomination also for this picture. Right, <laughs> and that was the only thing it was nominated for. <laughs> well, that that yeah, well that does well. It can be it's the best picture, but you know none of the acting, none of the directing, the cinematography, none of that was worth none of that was worthy of mention. But the, you know, but the film was really good. So I mean, yeah, how you can get a nomination in that category, but in nothing, yeah. yeah. That's a that's and, a positive. And it was nominated as a drama, also. Oh, okay. What was the name of that movie with um, the Cardinal, which was a, an Otto Preminger movie? Oh, yes. It was. Yeah. It was interesting. Again, uh, to me, there's no better movie from 1963 than than, than this movie. So you know, there, there's nothing that I would say is a better movie from that year, or because, mm-hmm. but it has a lot to do with the fact that that this movie is just so much so enjoyable to watch. It's so much fun. By the way that they do it, and it, it's got a story, great message, great characters—you know, everything, everything all wrapped into one. But well, there are probably there are more good movies that uh, been ignored by the Oscars than there are films that uh, than there are good films that have been uh, rewarded by the Oscars. So uh, yes, for sure, for the sure. Great Escape's got some. Uh, yeah, it's in some company in the fact it's been overlooked in that way. Yes, for sure. But most of the movies that we that, that we think of. That, that got ignored by the Oscars were mm. nominated and didn't win. <laughs> you know, as opposed to this is this didn't get any nominations or whatever. This was completely left on. But that's neither here nor there since neither of us gets to vote. It doesn't make a difference. <laughs> so moving on into uh, this minute, we still have half a minute to go. And the, the plane, as you said, you know, glides in nicely, lands nicely, and can't stop. And crashes into the, the the trees at the end of the uh, field, and th- they do a nice job of of uh, tearing those off of the plane as it goes through. You got some pretty strong trees that are able. To... Yeah, it's a good bit of um, good bit of stunt work there because uh, there, there obviously must have been somebody uh, in that cockpit uh, driving that, uh, or well, they're not really flying anymore. So I guess they're driving driving that plane into uh, into those trees, and yeah, they've. Uh, They've rigged up that aircraft uh, very well to kind of give it a good, a good death as it hits those trees. Yeah, there's absolutely no question about that. The way they do that is done really, really well. And also the, the, the symmetry of the way that, that, that those wings just fly off at the same time. You know, he, mm. Henley was able to get it to perfectly right, right in, center, in the center of those trees. Maybe he was hoping, well, actually, it makes sense. He'd rather that the, the wings get clipped yeah. than for them going right into the tree for sure so here we go another po- another point for him being <laughs> a good pilot <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll slop at the uh, at the end of this episode well i haven't been keeping score of you <laughs> and then we get a shot inside the cockpit which is great because we see 
the two of them, you know, apparently they weren't wearing seatbelts. <laughs> Henley's face is in the, in the dashboard. And Blythe is, is looking, he's just grabbing his head, trying to figure out what's going on. You know, we see Henley pulls his head back and you see a large gash with uh, fake blood on his face. And then he, he looks out and sees that the, the, the engine is on fire. So and I love the way he gets out of the plane. He opens the door and just falls right out. And he, he, he falls gracefully, as they say. And there's tons of tons of smoke that comes out. You know, they, they, they plan this really mm. well. <laughs> that, you know, you open up the cockpit uh, window and all of the smoke comes out. But again, he, he just he falls and he hits his, hits his leg as he's falling down. And then, once again, we're going to go back to the fact that, you know, Blythe is blind, but he's still able to get out of the plane successfully. Or the exit of the plane, let's put it that way. Yeah. Because Henley does stand up to, to pull him out completely. You know, we, we, we get Colin half jumping out of the plane, carrying him out, which is... <laughs> yeah, he navigates that a little bit too, uh, too, little bit too uh, adeptly. Yes, a little bit too But But uh, I commend Henley on the fact that he could actually lift up Colin. You know, he's, he's holding him up, even for a few seconds. Not many people could probably do that. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's because he, you know, maybe it's adrenaline... Maybe it's, you know, his superhuman powers that are now, you know, he's, his X-gene was just yeah. activated as yeah. he, uh, by all the adrenaline pumping of uh, crashing the plane. Who knows? You know, again, we, we were talking uh, yeah. about, we were talking about fan fiction about, about his history up until now. We can actually now do fan fiction of history afterwards of him becoming a superhero. Yeah, very possible. I mean, I think of those, uh, you know, of those weapons from uh, adrenaline to X-gene, uh, I, I think I'm probably going to go with it, adrenaline. I don't think... Uh, it's probably <laughs> not quite enough evidence uh, in the film to uh, to uh, to think that, uh, yeah, he should be, uh, you know, in the X-Men franchise. But, uh, you know, they're all about, uh, you, know, you know, all these studios love exploiting their uh, intellectual property. So, you know, maybe there'll be some sort of... Uh, uh, you know, after I finished de-aging uh, James Garner in this uh, great prequel, they'll um, they'll shove him into the uh, the X Men franchise. Yeah, maybe you never know. And then we get Colin coughing, and both of them look completely, <laughs> which which is great. They're but but I think they're overacting here a little bit. <laughs> you see the way that that, that Henley mm. looks back, and he like waves his arms frantically back and forth. You know, well, the disorientation does sort of play into sort of what happens in a few seconds' time. Yes, so, yes. Well, we're actually we're only going to find that out uh, on Monday. But uh, oh, okay. no yeah. spoilers here. No spoilers here. <laughs> no. You'll I, you'll never know. I know nothing about. Yeah, sorry. I apologize. I know nothing um, about one after, after this yeah. moment. <laughs> and then he basically pulls him up. Henley pulls up Colin, and he just points and goes, "Go that way. I'll follow." <laughs> Again, telling one person, go that way. <laughs> and then pushing him off. He gives him a nice little push. You know, on your way. Yeah, get going, you go bastard. That way. Yeah. Which, which makes you wonder why he's doing this. I mean, you don't see, at this point, any Germans around or anything like that. Like, why is he pushing him away? No, because it's... Because the plane's about to explode? Yeah, exactly, and... And he goes the opposite direction. So I don't, again, just don't know what that's about. It's not like he's sort of like worried that the whole thing might, might blow up, and he just wants to get him away to safety whilst he, I don't know, grabs something from the, the from the cockpit, you know, the, the rifle or something. You know, he, he then just sort of scarpers in the other direction. Yeah. So it's, it's it's a bit of a mystery. Maybe he's just maybe he's just absolutely sick of him by now. He's just like, you know what, like, 
the game's up. I'm I'm never getting out of uh, Germany with uh, you know Blythe in Blythe in tow. I'll just uh, you know send him that way. Oh, oh, you know, I'll catch up whilst I hot foot it uh, in the other direction. So maybe this is the uh, maybe this is uh, the cynical scrounger side of uh, you know Hend coming out again. It's very possible, but but I love the way that he pushes him. He says go that go that way, and then gives him a really hard shove. And you see that the momentum of that shove is what takes him along the way. Mm. And then he, he he nicely bumps and falls when he hits a the the, the a little of a small hill, you know, showing once again that he is blind. I mean, D- Donald Pleasant must Donald Pleasant must have been black and blue by the time he finished scenes with uh, with James Garner. The way he's just been, you know manhandled uh, around through the the last five minutes that we've been reviewing. Yeah, exactly. Because he really gives him a hard shove <laughs> if you look at it. And then, then, then he hits the, the... starts crawling up it, and then stands up. And again, he has no idea where he's going. He, he can't see. So, why, <laughs> you know, I, I, he should have waited there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then he stumbles along a little bit, and uh, a nice countryside and so at the moments like this, you really want to be able to talk directly to the characters in a film and just sort of, just sort of stop. stop. Don't go any <laughs> further. Stay away from that propeller. There you go. No, that might might have been a little easier for him. <laughs> it might it might have been a better comp- mm. a compensating way for him to have gone. <laughs> but um, I did, uh, you know, see, uh, you know, my filmic interest is uh, primarily um, exploding helicopters and. Uh, uh, you did say, oh, you know, sorry, I'm inviting you to, to be on The Great Escape. Can't, you know, there won't be any exploding helicopters here. But, uh, you know, the way things have worked out, I have basically got to see uh, an exploding uh, airplane here. Is so, uh, exploding? Well, uh, I, I mean, look, these are uh, thin times. You know, watching The Great Escape is a thin time for an exploding helicopter fan. So I'll take... Uh, what I can get. So uh, another form of uh, aviation transport, uh, you know, crash and being on fire. You know, I I'll take that. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, a, a, you know, a, you know, in a drought, you'll take any kind of, uh, you know, to any type of cup of water. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll 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 take that. But, uh, I mean, just random bit of uh, fact for uh, you know fact for you know just to tie in this particular scene and and my particular interest is that uh yeah donald pleasance in all the exploding helicopter films uh you know donald pleasance um is quite a quite an important actor because uh he's uh equal second in terms of uh uh the the actor who's appeared in um the most films with uh, an exploding helicopter in them so uh, he's been in uh, nine films wow. which feature an exploding helicopter which puts equal with uh, arnold schwarzenegger and uh b-list uh, action star gary daniels so uh uh, you know, wow. he's got a way to go. If he wants to be number one, he's got a little way to go. He's got to catch up with uh, Dolph Lundgren and uh, Samuel Jackson, who have been in uh, 11 films. But uh, Donald Pleasance did appear in a lot of um, sort of, you know, B-movie action, B-movie sci-fi films in the 70s and 80s. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm sure there are some un- un- unknown uh, Donald Pleasant's exploding helicopter films out there. So, uh, you know, he, he could be in the running for being, uh, yeah, the most important star of uh, my favourite uh, invented micro genre. Ooh, you now have your work ahead of you to start checking out some <laughs> hey, of those Donald Pleasant's Some of those movies. movies, yeah. Wow, that is actually fascinating. I'm actually surprised uh, Schwarzenegger isn't, isn't number one on that. I, I would have thought that he's been in the most. You, you're, I, 
I bow to your knowledge on this subject. He just doesn't make enough films. So like, you know, Samuel L. Jackson is a very prolific actor. So that's, I think, largely what lies behind uh, the fact that he's got 11. And, you know, Don similarly, you know, he's cranking out sort of probably about three, three, you know, B-movie action films a year. So that's what kind of... If you if you want to be one of the top boys, that 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 kind of uh, is what kind of gets you to, towards the uh, the top of these lists, and that's obviously why Donald Pleasance is in in that company is because of uh, yeah his years in um, I don't know what you call it low budget filmmaking exploitation cinema whatever whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. Okay, but he also he was in eighty seven movies. He was indeed, yeah. That's that's just yeah. And wait, do you count TV movies also, or just? I, I, include, I include TV movies, yeah. Okay, so I mean, then then you have a lot more credits to add there. I mean, I, I don't know how many of them are movies and how many of them are TV series, but he has 100 and, 102 acting, TV acting credits. So, you know, he's he's got a nice bit to choose from. I'm gonna, <laughs> I, I'm gonna, I hope you take a moment and start checking it out. Now, Samuel L. Jackson's only been in 133 movies. So he's he's got his way to, to, to try to catch up. Yeah. <laughs> But he's still alive, so well, he's number he's surpass, joint num- uh, he's joint uh, number one with Dolph Lundgren, so yeah. No, I know that. I'm saying right. he might he might surpass him with the number of movies he's been in. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. I I, I would say that's almost bound to happen. So I I never asked you what's what's your history with this movie. So uh, yeah, great. I mean, it's, it's a film that I've seen many many times. Um, I don't know what uh, you know. I'm based in uh, the the UK and. Um, here, this film is a bit of a sort of cultural intuition. So, it's a film that, for whatever reason, um, you know, there are certain in in the whole, in in the UK we have um, you know sort of uh, six or seven bank holidays uh, over the course of the year, and for whatever reason, TV programmers always put seem to put on one of a hand films, you know, on a bank holiday, and for whatever reason, the greatest is sort of one of these bank holiday movies so you can pretty much guarantee that when one of these uh yeah public holidays rolls round the the great escape will be sort of scheduled uh in uh, on tv at some point so it's a film i've seen many many times and uh, yeah uh, you know it is a film that um you know through uh lines of dialogue um you know the line that happens right at the end you know good luck to uh to, to gordon uh, gordon jackson character at the end mm-hmm. um whether it's the motorcycle jump the theme there are so many sort of um iconic moments in this film that are just sort of cultural sort of touchstones so yeah it's a it's a film that you know you you, you, you almost can't sort of grow up in a well certainly when i was growing up it was a film that just was sort of always always around you sort of culturally and um yeah uh, you know the reason i'm here is because it is a great movie it's just got you know incredible cast great score it's telling uh you know uh, a a really interesting um fascinating story it's you know brilliantly directed by by john so yeah it's it's a film that i have uh i've uh, loved for for many years and uh yeah always enjoy go going back and rewatching it Right, very cool. Now, I mean, you mentioned the whole bank holiday aspect of it. There were actually a few potential guests that I that I turned to from England, and they told me absolutely not because of the fact <laughs> that they've seen this movie so many times, and they're just sick of it and don't want to talk about it anymore. That that happens. What can you do? Well, there you go. Ev- you know, it's just evidence, though, of uh, yeah, of the of the fact that it has yeah it does does come up on the you know yeah, all the time. It's uh, yeah, just one of these sort of like. Uh, Bank holiday, bank. I don't know. Something about like a very long war epic that um, that yeah. TV programmers think, yep, that's absolutely okay. right for this bank holiday. Off. I'd love to understand the psychology of it better, but uh, well, I don't know. We don't have to understand it. Just uh, <laughs> you know, just enjoy it. 
Exactly. Do you want to tell people how to get in touch with you? Sure. Well, if I've uh, whetted your appetite for uh, the weird world of uh, films with exploding helicopters, then, yeah, come and check out my website, explodinghelicopter.com. We've got loads of, uh, of reviews where uh, films where uh, helicopters explode. We're also a podcast. You can find us on all good uh, and moderate uh, podcasting apps. Just look for Exploder. And if you want to uh, come and uh, say hello to me on social media, I am mostly on Twitter and you can find me um, as Chopper Fireball. All right. Excellent. If you want to get in touch with us. You can send us an email at thegreatminute at gmail.com. Our website is thegreatescapeminute.com. Our Facebook group is The Cooler. And our Twitter account is GreatEscapeMXM. Will, thank you very much. This was a very fun week. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did. No, it's uh, yeah, uh, a real a, a pleasure to come and uh, uh, chat with you about such a great movie. Yeah, and, and hopefully, hopefully our, our uh, listeners also enjoyed listening to this week. Fingers crossed. <laughs> exactly. So everyone have a great weekend and we'll see you on Monday with a, a new guest. And until then, tally ho. Tally ho. Everyone, because we're winding down and we have less than 30 episodes left, I decided I'm going to do something very special for the final episode of this podcast. If anyone can please send us any questions, we're going to do a Q&A section, me and one or two other guests. So if you have any questions about The Great Escape or about doing a Movies by Minute podcast or about me or <laughs> anything that you want to ask, it doesn't make a difference. You can ask us questions. And once we record episode 172, we will answer all of your questions, get them to us as quickly as possible. You know where to send them as a private message to Facebook, to Twitter, or you can send them to email any which way that we can see the questions and no one else will see them and we will answer them live for you. Thanks a lot, everyone.